It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about living with less electricity. Most folks don't take the time to consider that we've only had electric power for the last hundred years or so. Before the turn of this century, going back to the beginnings of mankind, there's no record of any past civilization that ever used electricity on a significant scale. A few Middle Eastern archaeological discoveries have suggested the possibility of some form of primitive storage battery, which would lead to the theory that electric power might have been used for something, perhaps ceremonial. But there certainly isn't evidence of ancient light bulbs, motors, wiring, pop-up toasters, or similar technology that would suggest anything like what we have today. So, living without electricity has actually been normal for mankind throughout history. Today's luxuries that we take for granted, like television, home heating, air conditioning, kitchen appliances, and so much more, all require lots of electric power to build and then even more to operate. Unfortunately, lost in this wonderful world of comfort, we often confuse what we want with what we need. For example, when the cold winter hits and the temperatures plummet, you need to stay warm or you'll freeze to death. You might want the convenience of an electric heat pump whole house system, but a basic wood-burning stove is all you need based on tens of thousands of years of experience. In the hot summer weather, you can see thousands of folks driving around with the windows up and air conditioning on because they want to stay cool and comfortable, while never even considering whether they needed to be driving around in the first place. There are loads of other examples every day where we confuse what we want with what we need, and it's this confusion that leads to the thinking that we need all the energy and electricity that we use. Now, there's nothing wrong with using electricity in and of itself. But wasting it on things we don't need has created most of our problems with pollution and the environment. Fortunately, there are practical alternatives to the most wasteful uses of electricity. Instead of an electric stove, cook with gas. Instead of an electric hot water heater, use solar panels or gas. Instead of a huge electric freezer, Use a super-insulated, well-designed unit that can run off propane, 12-volt power, or regular home power. Instead of designing your new home to simply plug into the grid, design with the sun in mind to get some free winter heat, free indoor lighting, and even free air conditioning for most of the summer. Instead of having your exposed plumbing pipes wrapped with hundreds of watts of heating tape to keep them from bursting in the winter, super-insulate them or bury those lines to prevent freezing in all but the most sub-zero conditions. These approaches leave lots of electricity for things that really do need to operate with power, like computers, videos, stereos, communications, and just maybe... Most importantly, radio stations and CDs like the one you're listening to right now.
More information about living with less electricity is available from Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. The news from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the Old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Ord Energy Mon and... Since we were talking about energy, I thought I'd do a book review from New Society Publishers. Home Sweet Zero Energy Home. Imagine never paying a utility bill again. This book tells you what it takes to develop great homes that won't cost anything to heat, cool, or light up without going broke or crazy. Um, net zero and zero carbon buildings are the wave of the future. Zero energy homes produce at least as much energy as they consume through a combination of energy efficiency, passive design, and renewable energy production. So, um, well, this is what I do to with for people. I help people figure out ways to um, reduce their energy use and then offset whatever energy they still use with renewable energy. So here is a book that will help you try to catch up with my 20 years of experience doing this. Um, this is the first practical guidebook that clearly shows how zero energy homes can be good, livable, affordable homes. It includes site selection and passive design, insulation, windows, doors, and building materials, heating and cooling. So the name of the book again is Home Sweet Zero Energy Home from New Society Publishers. So let us get to the news. OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com Officials at UC Berkeley are considering a settlement with the students who were victims of last year's pepper spray incident. The officer involved is no longer with the UC police force and the attorneys and Berkeley officials refuse to comment. In other news, activists were arrested outside the De Democratic National Convention on Tuesday after traveling country cross-country in the undocu-bus. The undocumented immigrants were pushing for immigration rights and several now face deportation after being arrested at the protest. A blogger for Huffington Post noticed something missing at the DNC. While Occupy has changed the way Americans think, the way corporations act, and the way the government works, there was no gratitude for them from those attending the convention. So if you would like to read the Huffington Post article thanking the occupiers, it's a good short read. 
So the author takes it upon himself to thank the occupiers in this blog from the Huffington Post. If you would like to receive our complete newsletter, which is links to all the stuff I talk about, um, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Um, we also archive our radio show on yourcommunityspirit.org. Thanks to Tree Song, he does that. He is out of town today, so you're going to have to put up with just one voice. Although, maybe, should I try to do two voices? I would entertain myself, but... Other news. A group of people allegedly gained access to PricewaterhouseCoopers offices in Tennessee and made copies of Mitt Romney's tax forms, sending them to the county's local Democratic and Republican offices. They are also demanding that Romney pay them a million dollars to keep the forms secret or that someone else pay them to have them released to the public. The Secret Service is attempting to track them down. No word yet on why they're calling this a hacking incident, considering that the people claim to have made access to the de documents in person rather than electronically. The Fed's probe alleged hacking theft of Romney's tax returns. In food news, I don't know if you noticed or heard this, but a report came out that compiled data from 237 studies saying that organic food might not be more nutrition, more nutritious. By now, you've probably seen the headlines proclaiming that organic foods are no more nutritious than conventional ones. And if you spring for the organic option in the store, you probably assume there's hard evidence of the health benefits. So, what gives? Well, the headlines are all based on a Stanford University meta-analysis that combined data from 237 studies. But just because this mega-study has been made such a big media splash doesn't mean it tells the whole story. In fact, in the first 24 hours after the study was released, many writers and food experts stepped up to point out some important gaps both in the study's approach and in the media coverage. One of the biggest issues is the fact that um, they didn't really look at the health benefit. Okay, let's see. For example, a San Francisco-based blog reporter interviewed Michael Pollan asking, so is this meta-study a big deal? The author of The Omnivore's Dilemma and In Defense of Food responded by saying, I think we're kind of erecting a straw man and then knocking it down. The straw man being that the whole point of organic food is that it's more nutrition. The whole point of organic food is that it's more environmentally sustainable. That's the stronger and easier case to make. So, um, I mean, part of it is if it's considered organic, yet it's picked prematurely and shipped across the country, does that make it more nutritious? Of course not. But is it more sustainable? Very much so. This is not insignificant. Let's see another quote. A team of um, 
Let's see. Is organic food more nutritious or safer is based on their judgment of whether published studies provide evidence of a clinically significant impact or improvement in health. So some of them are, part of it is some of these studies actually focused on, um, what is it called? Allergies. Um, only three of the human the studies in the analysis actually looked on health outcomes, and two of those focused on allergies in children. So the analysis included plenty of studies that did find nutritional benefit of eating organic foods, such as higher levels of phosphorus and um, more omega-3 fatty acids in organic milk and chicken. Some other studies weren't able to identify a benefit, meaning the findings overall were mixed, which is very different from no benefit. So it could take many years for the cumulative effects of pesticide buildup in the body from eating conventionally grown foods to show up. Cancer risks, for example, are calculated over long periods of exposure to carcinogens. The human studies in this Stanford analysis lasted at most two years. So I actually have like six, is it six? Yep, six different people who have talked about this study. And if you would like to read a lot of their quotes and links to all the different information, just send me an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and I will forward... Um, well, I'll forward you the, the newsletter of everything I'm talking about. Um, one of the organizations, ConsumerReports.org, which is the Consumers Union, dug into what they called the study's serious limitations. So that's one of the organizations that actually figured it out. So, all right, let's get back to the news. Yeah, as if that wasn't news. I personally, um, I personally will always eat local before I'll consider eating organic because local will have the nutrition you need to deal with local bugs and local climate. So I think that's just my personal preference. And of course, if there's local organic or local natural, that would be my second preference. Um, have you been following the Democratic National Convention at all? The futil futility of climate spotting. No matter what he says, Obama can't make big moves on the climate. After the lurid death of the cap-and-trade bill in Congress, global warming more or less disappeared from the national political landscape. And since there's no climate legislation on the table and none proposed, no ongoing debate on the subject, nothing real to talk about. Climate hawks have been reduced to a form of analysis I will call climate spotting. It amounts to basically counting the number of times the term climate change is uttered by a politician, especially Obama, or a political organization. It's as though the very term is an endangered bird. Every time it flutters across a screen somewhere, it's met with great excitement. Climate spotters spend a great deal of energy attempting to interpret the sightings, seeking patterns and larger meanings. For example, Obama didn't mention climate in his State of the Union this year. That meant he'd abandoned all pretense of leadership and was a historic failure. 
Then in April, in Rolling Stone, he said, climate change, quote, will be part of the campaign, and I will be very clear in voicing my benefit belief that we're going to have to take further steps to deal with climate change in a serious way, end quote. That meant he was a climate hero. Then he dropped the subject again for a long time. Historic failure. Then lately, he's been saying in campaign speeches, quote, that denying climate change won't make it stop, end quote. Hero! Well, I suspect the Democratic Convention will serve as an occasion for more, great deal more climate spotting. You know that um, the term climate change appears 18 times in the Democratic Party platform as opposed to once mockingly in the Republican platform. But according to Na National Journal, quote, interviews with campaign staff and a look at the lineup of convention speakers indicate that climate change won't be a top-tier issue during the convention. Failure. So. <coughs> Political reporters actually have been increasingly vocal that the fact that this campaign sucks. It's been a petty um, procession of pseudo gaffes, deceptions, and outrages of the week. Everything is locked down. Nothing is spontaneous. No one is inspired or particularly passionate. It's a grind. Yet, on the other hand, there's a sense that this really is the most important presidential election ever. Can this campaign be the most trivial and the most important all at once? <laughs> All right. How extreme weather supersizes global food price tags. Democrats blame record drought. Republicans blame Obama. But one thing both parties agree on is that prices of food are going up. In his acceptance speech in last week's GOP convention, Mitt Romney openly mocked tackling climate change as the opposition of helping working families yet pointed to food prices in his long list of ongoing concerns. Quote, food prices are higher, utility bills are higher, and gasoline prices they've doubled, he claimed. But Heather Coleman, Oxfam's senior climate policy advisor, see this ever-so-thin overlap of an ever-so-tenuous agreement as an opportunity. Quote, those of us who are truly aware of the impacts of climate change find it appalling that climate change could be used as a laugh line. But there's a lot more that needs to be done, and I think we can all come together on this issue of agriculture. A new Axfam report released this week hopes to close this understanding gap between climate change and global food prices, arguing previously researched grossly understates future food prices by ignoring the impact of severe weather shocks to the global food system. The report is called Extreme Weather, Extreme Prices, and it is intense. To get a more accurate picture, researchers threw down some wild cards, the crazy weather events like droughts, hurricanes, and floods we've come to increasingly expect to stress test the food system. They've come up with some disturbing numbers. Let's start with the base level expectations. The average price of staples like corn 
could more than double in the next 20 years worldwide compared to 2010 prices. For add the extreme events that researchers warn will cause shortages and destabilize markets, um, repeating a risk, a repeat of the 2007-2008 food crisis that rocked Africa's poor, that crisis contributed to an 8% overall jump in the number of underfed people in Africa. So, you can read this complete report, but I think it comes down to, we have to grow more food. Diversify our food. So... People are shifting their mentality. People are starting to figure out ways to use less and increase the goodness of what they do have. Here's an example. It's not just young people who are giving up on ownership. Recently, I read, staying connected may be worth more to young people than a set of wheels. And this was discussing an Atlantic article, Why Are Young People Ditching Cars for Smartphones? Since then, the Atlantic has actually um, been on a tear about the subject with the lead article in the print edition, The Cheapest Generations, Why Millennials Aren't Buying Cars or Houses and What It Means for the Economy. Much of it has to do with the fact that millennials are broke and underemployed, but I think there really is a change going on here, and I don't think it's limited to millennials. So-called middle-class people in every generation are pretty much in the same boat, are doing the same thing, and much of the change does have to do with technology. From the article, Zipcar conducted a survey of millennials, and this generation say, we don't care about owning a car. Cars used to be what people aspired to own. Now it's a smartphone. In other words, mobile technology has actually empowered more than just car sharing. It has empowered friendships that can be maintained from a distance. The upshot could be a continual shift from automobiles to mobile technology and a big reduction in spending. When people decide they don't need cars, it immediately affects their choice of where they live. It makes suburban life actually impossible. The types of properties people are buying now are different from what that same age group brought five years ago. They are within walking distance of shopping centers. These buyers want bike shares and zip cars. They like feeling connected. Now, the authors were deluged with two responses to this article that broke down into two categories. Basically, those that basically say, stop pretending like social trends have anything to do with the weak auto and housing market. It's the Great Recession, stupid. And those that wax eloquent about the freedom of not owning. So it's a start. We are seeing the impact of the dematerialization revolution. And it's not just about the millennials. It is going to affect everyone. So, pretty interesting. I've been following this trend of, um, you know, owning less and simplifying people's lives for a while. So...
Now, if you do have a home and you want to reduce your energy usage, I'm still going the 15 green projects for under $500, and we're up to number eight. Install a smart ceiling fan. A ceiling fan saves energy because the breeze evaporates mo moisture on your hot, sticky skin. Um, in the winter, if you, it has a switch on it and you flip that switch to winter mode, it actually pushes the heat from the ceiling down to your level so you don't have to heat so much of the building. So that's pretty... So utilize fans to heat and cool your place less. Today we're observing neither rain nor snow day and the birthday of Buddy Holly. Tomorrow, Saturday, the 8th of September, is the UN International Literacy Day and Nixon Pardon Day. Sunday is Wonderful Weirdos Day and the birthday of Colonel Sanders. No coincidence there, I'm sure. Monday is Swap Ideas Day. Tuesday, September 11th, is the anniversary of the World Trade Center Pentagon attacks and National Grandparents Day and National Hug Your Hound Day. Wednesday is the Harvest Moon and National Boss Employee Exchange Day. I wonder if you exchange positions or you just exchange presents. Um, next Thursday, September 13th, is the anniversary of the Star Spangled Banner the birthday of Scooby-Doo and National Celiac Awareness Day. All right, let's get into some happenings quick. Some regular community events. Local Organic Gardening Initiative of Carbondale, Logic, Fun in the Field Fridays. Every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m., come learn, dig, weed, meet new friends, and take in the fresh air. Everyone is welcome, no experience necessary, 3373 West Pleasant Hill Road. Look for the garden. This week at Gaia House, open mic night, Fridays at 6 p.m. And the Gaia House is going to be part of the second annual Carbondale Rocks Revival Music Festival, and so can you. There's six slots available for the open mic tonight. I think most of them might be full. But um, musicians of all genres and abilities are encouraged, encouraged to showcase their talent or get a little practice in front of an appreciative audience. Don't play? Not a problem. You can recite poetry, dance, or simply watch and enjoy this eclectic weekly event. Open Mic overlaps with Rice and Spice, a weekly slow foods feast of an international flavor. Tonight's Rice and Spice is... Asian Vegan Feast. Come and enjoy a variety of delicious Asian deli dishes, all prepared without meat or dairy. If you've never tried an Asian vegan cuisine before, you're in for a treat. Now, what is slow food? Well, slow food is you eat, well, you cook first, cook, eat, and clean, and interact with people together. It's exactly opposite of fast food. It's a weekly cultural next week is raw foods and then after at 9 p.m at guy house on friday nights there's the food there's the fun and then there's salsa dancing 
Don't know how to salsa dance? Not a problem. Lesson started at 9 p.m. Come on by. Dance the night away. At Guy House on Wednesdays at 9 a.m., there's the morning yoga f- basics for women. On Thursdays at 6 p.m., the interveg vegetarian potluck, and they're working on putting together a cooking club. Now, regular community events in the c- community, International Coffee Hour, Fridays from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Northwest Annex Building B. The Friday Night Fair through September 21st at the Town Square in Carbondale, 6 to 9 p.m. Farmer's Market, Saturdays, 8 till noon in the West Town Center. Saturdays, noon to 1 p.m., the Vigil for Peace, downtown the corner of Maine and Illinois. Now, a few new community events. Woody Guthrie's Centennial Celebration at Cousin Andy's. Tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd, 515 Orchard in Carbondale. That should be interesting. A lot of Woody Guthrie's unforgettable folk songs about the Great Depression, labor movement, and old familiar standards such as This Land is Your Land. This is Woody Guthrie's 100th birthday in song. Saturday, the International Potluck Picnic. It is at Bucky's Dome next to the lake near Thompson Point on campus. International students are from all over are going to have their first big get-together. Lots of food. Also on Saturday, energy debate. Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. The energy debate will have, um, well, people from the coal industry, the oil and gas industry, the solar energy industry, the competitive energy industry. So they're going to all debate Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. If you missed anything in our radio show, please send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We do have extras if you do get our newsletter such as videos and pictures which are hard to explain and describe over the air all right we will see you again on the radio next week stay energized